are they on Facebook right now? What's happening? This isn't, this isn't normal for us. Something isn't right. The reality is everything's running fine. This is exactly how we scripted it. This is the way it should be. So no one missed a cue. No one broke anything. We're actually only missing one thing. Light. That was the only thing that was missing. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came to this earth, one of the metaphors used to describe him was the light of the world. And maybe as a metaphor, it's a little bit difficult for us to understand. It's a little bit abstract to us in 21st century North America. Because the truth is, we have only ever lived in a world filled with light. It's, not the, it's the only reality we've ever lived in. In fact, in our culture, I was having a conversation not 10 minutes ago. We have to be so intentional about finding the absence of light. Even in small town New England, and even in rural Maine, it's hard to get away from all the light. In fact, have you ever heard the term light pollution? How many of you ever heard that term? You know what I'm talking about, light pollution. Okay, you know what? Light pollution is defined as the brightening of the night sky by excessive, misdirected, or obtrusive use of artificial light, which has a disruptive effect on natural cycles and inhibits the observation of stars and planets. Have you heard, ever heard people visiting this area, tourists, who come here and they can't get over how vivid the stars are at night? Have you ever had those conversations? I'm sure you have, yeah. I have, and, and we're kind of like, what? What are you talking about? Um, NASA and, uh, works with other agencies, and they provide maps like this one um, to show levels of light pollution around the world. Obviously, uh, this, when you see a map like this, it's a composite. You understand that, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you understand this. It's a composite. Why is that? Why is this a composite picture? Some people say because it's flat, so you obviously believe the Earth is a sphere. Okay, we get it. Um, <laughs> why else is this a composite, obviously? Mom? You said it. Oh, you said that. Okay, the Earth is round. Okay, somebody else give me. It's never dark all, at every, all places at the same time. That's why it's a, we know it's a composite. It's not night here, but it is night somewhere else on the Earth right now. I know, just blew your mind. <laughs> the things you learn on Christmas Sunday at church. <clears throat> These areas in yellow and orange and red are areas that are most affected by light pollution. And actually, let's zoom in and, and look at the United States. This is a map of the United States. Um, and there's a, I don't have my laser pointer on me, but there's a section here that's uh, it's quite dark. Do you see it on the upper northeast side? See that? And... Uh, didn't plan this very well. Right up in here, see that? Yeah, yeah. That's why we don't understand why tourists find the stars interesting, because we just take it for granted. We're a culture, though, listen, that buys things like room-darkening curtains. We buy room-darkening blinds for our windows. Sometimes it's to keep the sun out in the morning, but other times, depending on where you live, it's to keep the street light out of your room. It's to keep headlights from shining into your house. My point is that even in a literal sense, it's hard to get away from light. And it's nearly impossible to find total darkness. Ever been in total, I mean, total darkness is kind of creepy, honestly. But I think for a lot of us, we kind of take the light for granted. And I think sometimes we even take Jesus for granted. 
And just like you and I don't know what it's like to live in a world without light, you and I don't know what it's like to live in a world without Jesus. Here's the thing about light. No one misses the light. Sometimes we don't even notice the light. We don't notice the effect of the light until it's gone. And some of you, your reaction a few minutes ago when we sat here for about 12 seconds in darkness, I don't know if it was the darkness or the fact that nothing was happening. Because I know you're not a fan of awkward. I am. I love awkward. I love making people feel awkward, like right now. And um, I am a fan of that. I find it humorous. And um, yes, anyway, we've been reminded uh, uh, a couple of times, I think, we're maybe already this winter, I don't know, or this, whatever this is, fall or winter, whatever season we're in. Uh, but every, it's inevitable every winter we're reminded of the, what it's like to be in absence of light during a power outage, right? And uh, that's when you start missing the light. The first thing we do is go look for another light source. You don't miss it. You hardly even think about it when it's present, but you sure do miss it when it's gone. I don't know exactly why you're here this morning. I'm sure there are lots of different reasons why different people are here this morning. Some of us are here because we really just want to celebrate. We're thankful, we're excited, we're hopeful. Uh, some of us might be here because you feel like you should be here. It's what you do on Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas. You've got to go to church and, and uh, just keep things friendly at the Christmas dinner table, you know, but some of you don't really can't figure out why you're here because like you got stuff to do and the clock is ticking and you've got a long list of stuff to get ready yet. Um, and Christmas is only mm, a couple days away. And um, besides, you know, maybe you've got some issues with the church thing and the organized religion thing. And truth be told, you got some, you got some issues with the whole Christmas narrative, baby in a manger, angels, shepherds thing. Um, you're like, come on, really? I just want to say to those of you who are here because someone invited you or someone kind of expects you to be here, but you don't really want to be here, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and investing this time with us this morning and, and for observing this time with us today. We're just committed to doing our best to make sure this isn't a waste of your time. And I hope this experience for the next uh, few minutes helps to change the way you see Christmas and maybe even the way you think about Jesus. The good news, we call it the gospel, is one of those things that when we start to get our heads around it, when we start to think a little bit deeper about what happened 2,000 years ago, we're going to be grateful for the light that came. See, before Jesus came, people were looking forward to the day when a Savior would come. And the metaphor that's used in Scripture is that people lived in darkness, and they were waiting for the light of God to come. Not, a, not God as some you know, unknowable cosmic force, some unknowable entity, but a, a God who had said at some point in the future, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the circumstances of my coming, but I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm going to give you just enough information so that when I show up, you'll know it's me, but I'm not going to tell you everything just yet, and I'm certainly not going to tell you when I'm coming. So they looked forward for hundreds of years, looked forward to that day. In fact, the Jewish prophet Isaiah said it this way. He said, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. Christians believe that Jesus is that light. And the thing that Isaiah and his contemporaries, people who lived hundreds of years before Jesus, what they longed for came true in a manger outside of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. So the question I think we all have to wrestle with at some level, wherever we are spiritually, whether you consider yourself a Christian, whether you don't consider yourself a Christian, whether you would like to consider yourself a Christian, but you've got a ton of questions and they're big ones about the really big things in the Bible, or whether you've never really given this any serious thought. The thing we have to ask, the thing we need to give some serious consideration to is this. If the light has come, if the light has finally dawned, 
what exactly is the big deal about this light? What's the big deal about light? And I think maybe the question that could steer us in the right direction is, could we, could you be taking Jesus for granted? <clears throat> the question is for those of us who call ourselves Christians, for those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, uh, this is true for those who might say the last thing I would consider myself is to be a Christian. So I just want to ask this question on this Christmas Sunday, could it be that we're taking Jesus for granted? What do I mean by that? Well, listen, remember, we've all been born into a world filled with light. And you and I have never really known a world that hasn't been impacted by Jesus. Because we're born after him. And consequently, you and I could be taking Jesus for granted. The reality is we all kind of know the Christmas story. We know enough to kind of you get the gist of it. You know, you, could, you, could, you may not know all the details or the timeline or whatever or the locations. But you could kind of tell the story. And it starts with like it was the night before Christmas and all through the house. And then there's some shepherds and angels and a light and some singing and stuff. <clears throat> but you may know the main plot. You may not um, know the, the, the story behind the story. Because <clears throat> often what happens at church on Christmas Sunday is we'll tell the Christmas story. That's kind of what you probably came in here expecting to hear today. And we used to do this. <clears throat> we, it was like so predictable. We used to do this every year. Uh, we would make sure that Christmas Sunday we read the Christmas story. And then we realized that there are people who come to church just a couple times a year, and I'm just kind of looking straight ahead right now, just at the curtain back there, okay? I'm just not, so come, a, we, I mean, we know who you are, but uh, come a couple times a year, and uh, they come at Christmas, and they come at Easter, and every time they come, we're telling one of two stories. It's like, it's like we're, the only thing we have to talk about is these two stories. We're either telling the Christmas story or we're telling the Easter story, and those are great stories, and they're important, they're critical to our faith, um, but they're essential to what Jesus is all about, but it's not all there is to it. So we discovered that if all we're going to do <clears throat> at Christmas is talk about angels and no room at the inn and shepherds and the manger and Mary and Joseph and the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, I mean, that's all good. That's the story. But I think sometimes it doesn't have the power in our lives that it ought to have. And the reason that we lose the meaning of the story is because we don't sometimes remember the story behind the story. And fortunately for us, the Bible explains why that event, why this historic event was important, why this baby uh, at the center of the story was different from all of the other babies born in Israel that year, and why on earth it's even relevant in our lives 2,000 years later. And the biblical author who gives us the story behind the story is a man by the name of John. <clears throat> and if you were here last week, you know that we talked about what John had to say about the coming of Jesus. <clears throat> we're not going to re-preach last Sunday's sermon, although, I mean, it was, it was killer. You should listen to it. Um, I would, <clears throat> I'm sure you've heard about it. I, would, I, I, I mean, I joke, but I would encourage you to, that's kind of like part one of what we're doing today. I would encourage you to check it out, listen on our website or on our podcast. But we aren't going to re-preach it because <clears throat> we're going to look at a different aspect of John's account than we looked at last week because there's enough in this whole passage for... Uh, couple different sermons. It's important to understand that John wasn't a writer by profession or by training. He wasn't a scholar or a philosopher. He was just a guy who was following Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples. <clears throat> he wasn't necessarily planning to spend three years following a rabbi all over Galilee and all over Palestine and all that. He, that wasn't what he planned to do with his life. But Jesus shows up and he, he says to John and to his brother, he says, hey, why don't you guys drop what you're doing and come follow me? And kind of just like that, they did. <clears throat> and John, over time, became convinced that Jesus wasn't just a rabbi, he wasn't just a teacher, he wasn't just a miracle worker, he was all those things, but he became convinced that Jesus was God's son and that Jesus was, in fact, God. 
And years later, he would write about it in what we call the Gospel of John. And this is sort of his version of the Christmas story. And we said this last week, that, that what makes his version so different from the account in Matthew and the account in Luke that we're so familiar with <clears throat> is that while Matthew and Luke write about what happened, John explains why. So let me read just a few verses in, in uh, John chapter 1. Um, this is what he says. He says, in the beginning was the word. <clears throat> you know, like already this is weird. I don't know what this means. He's writing to people who lived in the time of the Greek philosophers, the Greek thinkers. So the word, which is the Greek word logos, for those of us who have, or those of you who have a scientific leaning and you spend your free time thinking about laws of the universe, because I know it's a lot of you, they were already, this is kind of hard to grasp, but they were already starting to think about these things around the time of Jesus. <clears throat> Especially by the time John is writing this down. The, the, the uh, world of Greek philosopher, philosophy and thinkers was really starting to blossom. It says, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning was the logos, in the beginning was the word where we get our word logic. And you think about the universe and you think about it as sometimes being very impersonal, right? And we're just, maybe we're just a cosmic accident that there's no particular reason why I'm here. Uh, I don't know what my purpose is. And if there is an intelligent design behind the universe, and for sure we don't have the ability to know that designer, to know that designer intimately, or maybe it's all just random, or maybe we're just here by accident. We don't know, we can't know. Um, he says, in the beginning was the word, the force behind the universe, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Big claim, start his account of the life of Jesus. Bold way to start writing what he had to say. Verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. So he's, he's tying this back to the first four words in, our, in the Bible with words that his original readers were very familiar with. In the beginning, God. Verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. He says the word, this word that I'm talking about, this logos, is actually a person. And through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4. In him was life. Listen. And that life was the light of all mankind. In Jesus was life. He was actually the one who brings us life. And that life was the light, not just for John, not just for the ancient Jews, not just for church people. It's the light for all humanity. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. This is so hard for us to comprehend and I really understand. And it's easy for us to take for granted when we live in a world surrounded by light. Some of you might be in a moment right now where you feel more darkness than light. I understand that. So I'm really glad you're here this morning. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I mean, some of you might be there right now. You're struggling with something. Maybe this hasn't been a great year for you. And you're like, 2018, goodbye. You know, can't get here soon enough into this new year. Maybe the holiday season isn't so great for you. Maybe this is not a great year for you personally. Maybe you aren't with the person you were with last year this time. This isn't how you envisioned your life. Maybe your marriage is in trouble, but last year you thought it could be salvaged and now it doesn't look that way. Or maybe there's more on the gift list than there is money in the bank and time is running out and it's a struggle. Maybe you're battling depression or anxiety or self-doubt. Maybe you just feel like darkness is going to win for you personally. This is why the light matters. Because John said the darkness has not overcome it. It might feel like it, but it hasn't. The light wins. You've noticed the abundance of lights 
at Christmas time? How many of you have on purpose gone out driving around to look at Christmas lights? I just want to, you, you maybe ever done that. Not, but this year you haven't because you just haven't because you're over it. But at some point you did it one time. You looked at just driving around just to just burn in precious fuel just to look at lights. Like you'd never seen a, a light before. Okay. Um, in our celebration of Christmas, do you think about this? The things that we do. We go into our basements and our attics and we bring out boxes that probably aren't labeled right right? Because last year we were so done with it, we just threw it in an open box. And we hang extra lights all over the place. On the outside of our house in the winter time. Just makes no sense. And we hang lights on trees in our living rooms. Again, makes no sense. We just can't have too many lights at Christmas, right? Have you ever wondered why that is? Where did this tradition start? Why the emphasis on lights at Christmas? There's there's some evidence that says this tradition start, started about 500 years ago with Martin Luther. Yeah, that one, the Christian reformer. He was out in the woods. He's surrounded by darkness. Of course, there wasn't much light pollution. There wasn't much artificial light at the turn of the 16th century. He's contemplating the incarnation, which is the coming of God in the person of Jesus. <clears throat> and he saw the stars in the sky, and he was reminded of Jesus coming, as Isaiah predicted, as a light to the darkness. So he decided to light some candles as a reminder that God loved us enough to come as a light to the darkness. That's why we celebrate Christmas with all these extra lights. And it makes me wonder, how will you overcome the darkness? How are you going to do that? Let me, let me just let you know something right now. You can't. You can't on your own power overcome the darkness. You don't have the ability or the power to do that. Think about it. How many times, even in the last year, have you said, well, this year is going to be different? I'm going to, you know, fill in the blank, and I'm going to stop doing, you know, fill in the blank, and I'm going to finally get over fill in the blank, and I'm finally going to start doing. And how successful, how effective have you been at that? The darkness is very difficult to overcome on your own, but I'm glad that the story of Jesus interrupts the darkness. It says, upon those living in the darkness, a light has dawned. So I don't know what this year's been like for you. I don't know... Uh, what the Christmas season brings for you, but I know that we've all had seasons where we felt like we were in a deep darkness. Maybe you've discovered a gnawing emptiness in you despite the things you've achieved, despite the success, despite accomplishments, despite the things you've accumulated, despite the pile of stuff underneath your Christmas tree, despite what people say about you, despite the attention that you've gotten. The truth is there's still an emptiness that you can't get to the bottom of. The prophet Isaiah continues from those verses that we read, that I've referenced a couple times, and here's what he says in Isaiah 9. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Aren't you glad we aren't dependent on politicians or on presidents or on kings or governors? I mean, our hope is in Jesus. That's, the light has come. Amen. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The very thing that you and I long for. You know, would someone please bring justice? Would someone please bring righteousness? The thing that we long for is fulfilled in Jesus. So what do we do with this? Pastor Bob's going to come in just a minute and, and kind of bring this, land this thing. But I want to suggest as beautiful as Christmas is, as beautiful as Christmas lights can be, because we, we say things like, well, maybe I'll meet someone this year. Maybe I'll get that promotion. Maybe I'll win the lottery. Maybe my kids will get it together. Maybe something will happen to make my life better. 
let me just encourage you, let's stop looking for light in the world and let's walk in the light of the world because the light is dawned. Watch this. Thank you, Pastor Todd. That was a really eye-opening beginning to a message, and I hope everybody's listening with their ears and with their heart this morning. And so the question is, if this is the light that came into the darkness 2,000 years ago, how has Jesus impacted you? Now, some of you here are here because Jesus has impacted your life, and you'd say, I'm following him. I want to follow him the same way that John followed him. So I'm just following him and I'm going to keep following him. Some of you are just being introduced, maybe for the first time, maybe just for the first time again, to that idea. And you're coming to the point where you're saying, well, I haven't been to church in years. I wouldn't consider myself a Christian, or if I am, I'm not a very good one. I've got a ton of questions and I've got even more baggage, but this is a journey I'm starting. And if that's you, can I say we are so glad you're here. Some of you would say, 
Jesus has impacted my, my life, has not impacted my life at all. Uh, actually, I grew up in church and I went to Sunday school when I was a kid and I went to youth group when I was in high school, but then I've fallen away. And falling away, you decided, you know what, I, I don't believe that stuff anymore. Uh, I show up a couple times a year just to make my parents happy and make things uh, a little more pleasant around the family dinner table at the holidays, but this isn't for me. Jesus really hasn't had any impact on my life. That might be you. And this takes us right back to where we started. Truth is, you live in a world that has only known light. We live in a world that has been impacted by Jesus in many ways. And consequently, we've all been impacted by Jesus in some cases more than others, and in many cases more than we realize. In fact, many of the values that are important to you and are important to me, uh, look, those are not natural. Lots of people say, oh, I don't need to be a Christian. I'm a very decent person. I'm moral, upstanding in the community. I believe in love. I believe in charity. I believe in generosity. I believe in kindness. I believe in all those things. I don't really need anything else. I don't need your Jesus. Well, let me ask you. Where did all those things come from, those values that you just listed? Believe it or not, those are not innate, natural values. Study history. And along with it, just study human nature. And take a look at human behavior all around you. And you will find in humans the tendency to harm and hurt and bring pain to other people. It's just part of our story. See, so many of the values behind the things that you cherish, behind the things that are important to you, actually came into the darkness as a result of this light that John is talking about in the scripture that we read. They came from Jesus. And you may not trace it back to Jesus, and I can understand that, and I, I can see how you could take another route. But again, remove Jesus from the world, and it gets very dark, very fast. Thank God his influence is still in this world. Thank God he has not taken his Holy Spirit out of this world. Take Jesus and his influence out of this world, and it gets very dark very fast. David Aikman, A-I-K-M-A-N, is a journalist. He wrote, Aikman wrote for years for Time magazine, and for a piece that he did a few years ago, eventually became a book called Jesus in Beijing. He did extensive research on how China was studying the West. So he studied how China was studying the West. And they were, and they have been, and they still are. For decades, actually, we're starting to study them now. This is how weird it is. For decades, even under communist rule, China tried to catch up with the West, with Europe, with, the, with, with uh, America, with Canada, with the, the, what we call the Western nations. And they could never quite do it, so they tried to figure out why does the West have such a competitive advantage over us, no matter what it is, no matter uh, who explains it, it always comes out that way. So David Ackman, in his writing on this very subject, 
interviews a lot of people. But there's one very noteworthy quote. He, he quotes a Chinese sociologist who said this, and I quote, we, meaning the Chinese people, have studied everything we could about the West, from the historical, to the social, to the economic, even the cultural perspectives. We studied it all, and we came up with only some theories. The sociologist, though, was not done, and he goes on to say, and I continue to quote, at first, we thought it was because you people, the West, had more powerful weapons than we had, and then we determined, no, that's not it. Then we thought it was because you had the best political system, and then we determined, no, that wasn't it either, we didn't want that. Next, we focused on your economic system, one built on free enterprise and capitalism, and that wasn't it, although they have moved over there into that arena now. And then he says this, continue the quote, he says, but in the past 20 years, and this was written a few years back, we have realized that at the heart of your country is your interest in religion. And, and I read that quote, and this is a quote within a quote, this is my own. I just wondered why this great writer and this sociologist had not studied some more of modern, in the last 200 years, Chinese history, because the Christian church had a great influence in China, still does, by the way, it's underground now, but it's had a great influence in China and in China's cultural development. But it seems to be completely washed away now by the regimes, and, it, and it's not even part of their history. At any rate, that's why the West, he said, has been so influential in the world. Now, isn't it interesting that this quote comes from an atheist, a Chinese social, uh, sociology student, a person who was steeped in, in, in the study of human behavior? You see, you and I, and, and, and Pastor Todd alluded to this, and I'm glad he did, he, we don't even know the significance of the light that came in Jesus because we've been raised, every one of us in here, in a culture, we've been raised in an environment, we've been raised in lifestyles that has really only known the impact of this light. And it's so easy to take the light for granted until all you have is darkness. As a matter of fact, that was a fantastic uh, example this morning to start the message. For 12 seconds, you were taking the light for granted. A lot of you had nervous laughter. You didn't know how to react. You didn't know what to do. You had to talk. You had to say something. You had to make a joke. You, had, you just couldn't sit there because darkness was, was, was foreign to you. And it's so easy to take the light for granted until all you have is darkness. Where does that leave us? Well, this Christmas, we are inviting you that's right, we're inviting you. If the light has dawned, embrace it. Jesus didn't come just to be an example. He didn't come just to be a great teacher. He didn't come to be a miracle worker. He didn't come to be a revolutionary. By the way, he was all those things. But he came to save us, to save you, and to save me. So if you've ever been pondering this question or had other people ask you and you're not quite sure and you never were and even coming into Christmas 2018 you've still wondered, well, what is Christmas anyway and what's it all about? Here's what it's all about. Jesus came to save us, to save you and to save me. That's what it's all about.
He came because he created you. He came because he knows you by name. He knows who you are. He knows your story. He knows the situation you're in. He knows your struggles. He knows what you've been through. And he has decided long before you were on this planet that he loves you enough to be your savior. So Jesus came, why? To reestablish, actually, a relationship with God. And this time it would be extremely personal, a relationship with you. Putting you back into relationship with God through Jesus, regardless of where today finds you, regardless of the struggle you're having today, regardless of what go is going through your head right now, regardless of whatever is making you resist what you're hearing right now, if and so, if so, that's happening. Listen, this is an extremely personal thing, and the meaning of Christmas is extremely personal. It's a relationship that God wants to have with you through Jesus, regardless of where life finds you this very day. If I wasn't such a calm, collected, dull person, I would have gotten excited long ago. <laughs> the question becomes not just, what do I do then at Christmas, but what do I do beyond Christmas? That's the question. Because Christmas is almost here, they tell me. Is that true? By the look of stress on some of your faces, I get a feeling it's mighty close. <laughs> For the next couple of days, you're going to spend time with family that you like. And you're going to spend some time with some other family. Well, you're going to pretend real well anyway. And you're going to celebrate. And you're going to enjoy each other's company. Listen to me. You're going to enjoy each other's company. It's going to be fun and you're going to enjoy it. And then guess what? It'll be all over, bring the boxes out, stuff the lights in again. But the light that I'm talking about continues to shine. Amen. It'll not only shine on December 25th, it'll shine on December 26th and 27th and 28th and January 15th and March the 30th, etc., etc. That light is going to continue to shine and shine forever. So you're going you're gonna to realize that, maybe not this very moment, but before this day's out, it's going to click with you. And so when it does, I'm going to ask, what do you do with it? First of all, I'm going to go back again to those of you who know the light. You already know Jesus, and you're walking in that light. Great. And maybe right now you're thinking ahead to the next year. Could this be that year when you decide, okay, I believe in Jesus. I've made that a public commitment. I followed him. I am a follower. But this year, 2019, is going to be a year when I integrate the light into more and more and more of my life. When I walk more consistently and I walk more purposefully in the light of Jesus and I let him lead and I let him be the light unto my path. For those of you who are getting to know the light, just getting to know the light, let me just say this in love. Embrace it. Embrace it. Welcome it. There's nothing to fear in Christ. Nothing. Because at his heart is acceptance. At his heart is forgiveness. 
At his heart is love. I, I love that video we played just a moment ago. You know, from his heart comes mercy huh? and comes love. And then that magical word comes grace. Huh? His heart, from his heart comes love. He loves you. So pursue him and love him and embrace him. Now, for those of you who maybe you're curious about this thing and you've heard enough of it, just maybe just enough, and, and you're still not really quite sure, you're not there yet, and you're not even quite sure about the Christmas story. You know it's family. You know it's food. Uh, you know it's gifts. You know you're one who says, I don't care about getting gifts. I just, I just love to give them. And, you know, a lot of us lie about that. That's okay. Just, it's okay to lie for one week of the year. Uh, but, but it's about gifts, and it's about getting, and it's about giving, and it's about being kind and really working at that for a couple days. I mean, it's amazing the behavior of some people around Christmas. I just, you have to do a double take sometimes. Is that, who is that person? Yeah. And so you're not really sure about this Christmas story. You're, you're, you're certainly not sure uh, about Jesus, about this whole emphasis on Jesus. You're, you're not sure about this, this whole narrative of the Christmas story as you know it. You're not even sure, maybe as you sit here this morning, that there is a God. I mean, if there is, does he really know my name? Come on. Does he really care about me? Does he really love me? Like these pastors keep saying, I just want you to know this. He came as the light into darkness, and you're invited today. Christmas 2018, you are invited in the same way that 2,000 years ago. Think of it. The angels invited the shepherds, and the shepherds invited the townspeople, and they all came to see this baby who would grow up and who would teach and who would perform miracles and who would upset the status quo. They would witness all of this, and then they would watch him die on a cross to pay for our sins, to be the ultimate once and for all atonement for man's sins. And then, and then they would watch him rise from the dead to prove and substantiate his claims that he was who he said he was. He was the promised one from God. He was the long-awaited Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. And this is the greatest thing I can say this morning. And you are invited. See, it's easy to take the light for granted until all you have is darkness. And here we are this Christmas Sunday morning, 2,000 years later, basking in the light. So the question for us is simple. Will we go back to the darkness? Or will we live in this wonderful light that has come? Not only is this a question for all of us, make it personal, would you? This is a question for you. Will you go back to the darkness? Or will you live in this wonderful light that has come? Could we just be still before God for a moment? And let's bow for prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much 
for the gift of light. With that light, we have now experienced love and life, mercy, grace, kindness, forgiveness, and how we thank you for that. And for those who know the light and walk in the light, may they just make this new commitment today to continue to walk in the light, but to walk closer to you all the time and to follow your lead and to be like John and just give up other pursuits and say, that's the Messiah, that's God, that's my new king. I'm going to follow him. For those that are here today and are just kind of wondering about the whole thing and, and, and you've taken a step maybe to, in faith towards the Savior, but you haven't fully embraced, Lord, for any of those that are here today, I pray that they will make that complete step and they will walk towards the light and they will embrace and welcome and accept that wonderful light who is Jesus. And for those who are here this morning and they've wondered about it or they've doubted or they doubt that you even exist and yet in their heart something keeps gnawing at them and this truth keeps coming at them and, and, and the word of God keeps piercing their heart and the Holy Spirit says... Just come and find peace. Just come to the light and recognize that Jesus is your Savior. And Lord, for those that do that today and, and that fully embrace the grace of God in Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for their lives and for the life that they will live. The greatest gift that we could give you, God, is the gift of ourselves. May it be so. For we pray in love and thanksgiving, in Jesus' name, amen.